Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, nobody is built like the Braves. A world without Lamar and what's number two? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So imagine for a moment, okay, your favorite baseball team over the last couple of seasons lost the MVP of the league. They lost their 100 RBI gold glove shortstop this past season. They lost their all-star starting catcher. They have a 20-game winner that is not pitched for most of the year. They have the best left-handed pitcher in baseball that is not pitched for a much of the year. You factor all of that stuff in. How good do you think your baseball team would be? Over the last couple of years, all-star, MVP, gold glove shortstop, right? Pitcher's not healthy, everything else. And yet, here the Braves are. Here the Braves are. Freddie Freeman goes away, no problem. Matt Olson gets dropped in the lineup, signs a big extension, obviously a local kid, whatever, $129 million, whatever the, the number was, whatever. 50 homer season he's on track for. What's that? Dansby Swanson, gold glove shortstop, probably should have won multiple gold gloves, but 100 run, 100 RBI shortstop, 20 homer guy, gold glove, best defensive shortstop in the National League, no problem. We've got Orlando Arcia waiting in the wings, and we've got him as the starting all-star shortstop. What's that? William Contreras, again, young up-and-coming catcher, you know, looks like he's going to be something, no problem. We'll trade for the best defensive catcher in baseball. Oh, yeah, and by the way, now that we got him out of that godforsaken park, now we're seeing what his offense can do. And he's on pace to be a 25 and 90 run, or sorry, 90 RBI guy. Oh, yeah, we don't have Kyle Wright winning 20 games. We don't have the best left-hander in baseball. We may lose Charlie Morton at the end of the year. No problem. We'll drop in the best young pitcher in baseball in Spencer Strider. We'll take we'll take another guy who is certainly making a name for himself in Bryce Elder, and we'll give you two all-star starters to go with our depleted rotation. And then, oh, yeah, we're going to sit back and wait for Kyle Wright and Max Fried to eventually come back. This is a testament to AA. This is a testament to their scouting department. This is a testament to everybody involved in their front office, that they have this resiliency. How many franchises realistically could suffer all of the things from the last couple of years that the Braves have had? You know, Freddie Freeman may still be the best first baseman in baseball. No problem. We've got this year's MVP in a runaway. Matt Olson is on track to set the franchise record for homers. I'm not talking about Homers for a first baseman. I'm not talking about, you know, just the Atlanta. I'm talking about all time. 
Henry Aaron, Eddie Matthews, obviously number one is Andrew Jones, all-time franchise record for home runs in a season. Oh, yeah, and he's going to drive in 125 runs and walk 100 times. No problem. Orlando Arcia, guy who hasn't played since 2019. All of a sudden, what, we lose Dansby? You know, we're not going to match his $170 million or whatever the Cubs ended up giving him? No problem. He's going to cost us $3 million, and he's going to start in the All-Star game. Hitting 300, having missed 20 games, playing a really good defensive shortstop. Maybe not Dansby-like, but certainly very close. Oh, yeah, he's in the top 10 defensively for war, for wins above replacement. He's a top 10 defensive wins above replacement player. No problem. We got all of these things. It is remarkable that this franchise has been able to overcome not just the injuries and all this, right? I mean, again, we've talked about the injury bug, you know, not just the rotation, but the guys that were missing time earlier in the season, right? The Michael Harris's, guys like that that were missing games. Orlando Arcia missed 20-something games. Again, through all of that. But look at what this team has lost over the last couple of years. Think about where the franchise is. Now, I understand that the Washington Nationals won the World Series the year after Bryce Harper left, right? But think about Harper, Rendon, and that core group of guys that leaves the Washington Nationals. And look where they're at now. Look at what they are. They're a disgraceful franchise. Look at what the Oakland A's with losing Olsen and Matt Chapman and guys like that. Where are they now? They're the despicable franchise of Major League Baseball. You can't lose as much as what the Braves have lost over the last couple of years. I'm not talking about just injuries. I'm talking about free agency. I'm talking about in trade, whatever. And this team is just steamrolling everybody. Yeah, they lost last night. Okay, so they're, you know, 9-1 and one over the last 10 games or what have you. Knocked off their, you know, nine-game winning streak. No problem. They just keep coming after you in waves. And it is a testament to not just Alex Anthopoulos, but the scouting department, the play, the people who are drafted. Think about with Schuster, Strider, and Elder. Those guys were drafted in 2020. Three years ago, Spencer Strider was on the mound for Clemson University. Jared Schuster was pitching for Wake Forest. I mean, it's remarkable how good their scouting and development department has been. Ron Washington's got... All four guys on the infield in the All-Star game this year. Now, again, it's not all on him. But, again, their scouting, their development, the general manager, like all of these things are working together. This really is sort of the salad days of the Atlanta Braves. I mean, again, we look at the 90s and all this good kind of stuff. I certainly think that the Braves are going to find at least one or two more World Series in them over the next couple of seasons. And when that happens, then this will be the best run in the entire Braves organization. Forget the 16 straight divisions and all that kind of stuff that basically just flamed out with one World Series title. This team is going to win multiple World Series. There's no reason why they shouldn't. This should be a World Series team. We're getting through the Guardians. We're going to be in Tampa Bay. That might be your World Series preview. That might be your World Series preview coming up here. As you know, they wrap up with the Guardians and we go down to that Tropicana field, that godforsaken park down there, this may be World Series preview. But it is remarkable about how many contributions 
from not just guys that are you know drafted and developed over the last couple of years, but some of the castoffs. I mean, the Orlando Arcias of the world, those guys are castoffs. And they looked at Sean Murphy and said, okay, let's make a trade to get in the best defensive catcher in baseball. Now all of a sudden you see him get out of that dreadful ballpark in Oakland and he comes here to Atlanta and all of a sudden his offense begins to rise. It is remarkable to look at how this team is built like nobody else. It doesn't matter who they lose, what they lose, whatever happens to their roster. We lose the best left-hander in baseball. We got two all-star pitchers. We less the, we lose the best first baseman, MVP of the league. No problem. We got a 50-homer guy. We lose a gold glove shortstop, 100-run, 99 RBI guy. No problem. We replace him with the all-star starter. It is remarkable to watch how this team has come together under the guidance of Alex Anthopoulos. And look, I'll give I'll give you know Brian Snicker his flowers and and all that too. But you look at the development and the scouting of this organization, especially their minor league scouting and development. Again, when you have guys that were only drafted two and three years ago that are on the big league club making contributions, and we're not talking about Bryce Harper, you know, who was all world, right, coming up to, you know, barely spending time in the minors, and he was going to come up, you know, again, Strasburg and guys like that that are like number one draft picks. We're talking about guys that are just picked randomly throughout the draft, and all of a sudden, whoop, they just drop right in to your franchise, and they start contributing. Again, it's remarkable that you've had three guys, Strider, Elder, and Jared Schuster, all from that 2020 draft class, were just three years ago. They were on a college campus pitching. Now here they are making big-time starts. Now two of those guys are all-stars. It is remarkable to see what the Braves scouting development and what their front office has been able to do. There's nobody that's built like the Atlanta Braves. All right, this episode of Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel. As you know, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on and claim your no sweat first bet where if your first bet doesn't win, you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets from FanDuel if that first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel is safe, super easy to use, secure. Obviously, they let you bet on everything from prop bets to money lines to how many homers Aaron Judge is going to hit, everything in between. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your no sweat first bet where if your first bet doesn't win, you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets. That's $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel's official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So what would a world without Lamar Jackson look like? So I was looking at some numbers earlier today. And when you look at Lamar Jackson's contract, okay? So again, he got the $260 million, right? And all this good kind of stuff, five for 260, right? His cap hit for this year is $22 million. His cap hit next year is for $33 million. Then his cap hit goes up to $43.5 million. And his final two years of his contract, $74.5 million. He's never going to see that. I, again, I don't. they're going to renegotiate or whatever. He can't have a quarterback making $74.5 million. But think about it like this, okay? What's the difference between Lamar and what we have now, okay? So if you take the 20, and, and I'm just going to do very 
rudimentary, basic, simple math to kind of illustrate the point of all of this, okay? I'm not going to get into all the technical mumbo-jumbo and what this guy could be and what all, forget all that, okay? Just very, very dumbed-down basic. Taylor Heineke is a $5.7 million cap hit on, on the cap this year, okay? Lamar is a $22 million cap hit. That's a $16.3 million difference, okay? When you add Jeff Okuda, Jonu Smith, Caden Ellis, and Bud Dupree, those four guys only come to $17 million in cap space. So think about it like this, okay? For all the good that Lamar Jackson can do, and, and again, this is his cheap cap year number, but you would have missed out on potentially those other four guys. So that's your starting number two corner, okay? That is probably the guy who's going to play outside linebacker as a starter with Caden Ellis. Jonu Smith is going to be sort of your tight end hybrid guy that plays alongside um, Kyle Pitts. And you've got Bud Dupree, who's a rotational guy who's going to help our pass rush. Assuming that he's here. Uh, D-Led doesn't think he might be here, but again, that's a separate topic. But think about Okuda, Smith, Ellis and Dupree. Those four guys represent the difference between having Taylor Heineke be your quarterback or having Lamar Jackson. Now you say, again, how many more wins is Lamar Jackson worth? I don't know. I don't know what his wins above replacement number is in the NFL. But certainly I feel like that with those four guys, and I'm just using a, a rudimentary example, with those four guys, can those four guys help us win games and be a division champion and impact my football team? Can Jeff Okuda or Jonu Smith or Caden Ellis or Bud Dupree, those four guys, I'm just using those four guys, and we can go around and play with all the numbers and all this good kind of stuff, but just those four guys are the difference between Taylor Heineke and the cap pit that Lamar Jackson brings. Now, I know Lamar's a dynamic player and this, that, and the other. What happens when Lamar starts to miss games? Do, am I going to look at and say, okay, well, I, I'm going to have all four of these guys, Okuda, Smith, Ellis, Dupree, all four of those guys are going to be out at the same length of time. They, they miss three, four, five games. I don't know. But I certainly feel like that the value that we, we have where, and again, look, to be honest with you, we were never going to get Lamar Jackson. That was all a pipe dream. He was always going to sign with Baltimore. There was nobody in the mix. There was nobody that was going to get a contract away from the Baltimore Ravens. They were always going to do it. They, they gave him $260 million for a reason. Their franchise is built around there. That's why they're replacing their OC and all this good kind of stuff. But just from a financial flexibility perspective or, again, being responsible with your money, I can live with Desmond Ritter and have those four other guys with me versus having Lamar and missing out on all of these guys. Where again, I would be stuck with the, and, I'm, and I know he wouldn't be on the football team, but just the Stephen Means of the world. Guys who would come in here and do nothing for our football team. Shopping at the bar, uh, bottom bin, you know, looking, looking around at the dust bowl of players. You know, all of Ryan Pace's cast-offs from the Chicago Bears, all the Gavones that he drafted for the Bears, and they'd come in here on one-year deals and do nothing for our franchise. I'd rather have Okuda, Smith, 
Ellis, Dupree on my roster than to take up all of the money and put it into a quarterback. Yes, I know. Again, and I'll, I'll say it, I'll say it like this. Lamar Jackson ain't Pat Mahomes. He ain't Patrick Mahomes. He might not even be Joe Burrow. I know he's an MVP and all this kind of stuff. That's four years ago, folks. You, you all fussed about Matt Ryan when he was in the 2020 season. Oh, he was an MVP four years ago. Where do you think Lamar Jackson is? He's an MVP four years ago. That's a lifetime for guys like Lamar Jackson in the NFL with the way that they play. So I'd rather have the four. And I'm just picking four players because the money kind of works itself out. And we have financial flexibility with the cap. We can build our roster to where it's not just a bunch of, you know, a really dynamic quarterback and a bunch of vagabonds around him. We, we complain about this with Trey Young. Like, Trey Young's making $45 million a year, super max player, and we surround him with kind of these hobos who, who should be good, should be better, but when you have to trade away guys because of not being in the luxury tax and things like that, then we don't surround them with as good a talent. What do you think would have happened with Lamar Jackson? And that's why, again, this was always more, it was always more intelligent to stay out of the Lamar business and be able to build a complete roster, to be able to build a roster that top to bottom is much more competitive versus, and again, you see these quarterbacks, Lamar, Justin Fields, where they don't have the talent around them and everything gets put on their shoulders. And guess what? They start missing games. They start getting knocked out. I feel bad for Justin Fields. Again, they're starting to accumulate some talent. But what was Lamar? What was Justin Fields going to do last year? What do you think he was going to do? Again, they drill. I mean, the Falcons were even drilling him and knocking him out of a game. You have to have some quality football players around, not just your quarterback, but again, offensively, defensively, things like that. I mean, again. We're talking about guys. I mean, everybody's bragging about Caden Ellis. Okay, that's a guy who may not have been here if we were still in cap purgatory, which is the direction we would have gone in if we would have signed another high-priced quarterback. So say what you will, but I'd rather have the four guys that I just mentioned versus having all of the money tied up in a quarterback who in three years is a $74.5 million cap hit. I'll repeat that one last time. $74.5 million cap hit. That's a lot to take on. You, you talk about Matt Ryan's contract, $74.5 million. That dwarfs anything Matt Ryan was ever against the cap for. All right, as you make hitting hard your first listen, be sure to go in and let us know whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we like to call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our community, but let us know in our comment section, whatever you're listening to, that you're an everydayer five days a week into the program. We do thank you so much for being a part of this community. So what is number two? So if I look at the Atlanta Falcons as we're headed toward a few weeks training camp coming up here, I look at the Atlanta Falcons as the strength of their football team, the number one positional group that they have is their offensive line. Obviously McGarry, Dominant run blocker, was graded out as one of the best run blockers in all of the NFL last year at tackle. I think only Trent Williams was ahead of him as far as run blocking tackles go. Chris Lindstrom goes without saying. He's arguably the best interior offense. That even includes Quentin Nelson. He may be the best interior offensive line 
in the league right now. Okay. Dolman, we got some work to go. Okay. Bergeron, we'll see what happens. Okay. Jake Matthews, still very solid at left tackle. But again, we've invested in a high draft pick offensive lineman that we hope can be a part of the solution. But right now, even with the three main guys I have, McGarry, Lindstrom, and Jake, that's our best positional group right now. So what's number two? Okay. I think it comes down to one of two things. I think it's either our defensive backs or it's our running backs. Now, the case for our defensive backs, A.J. Terrell, if he can get himself back on track, two years ago, he was an elite defender. He was an elite corner, second-team All-Pro. Jesse Bates was a second-team All-Pro just a couple of years ago. We're anticipating him being back to that level. In fact, I will tell you that, again, I will be disappointed if Jesse Bates isn't a first- or second-team All-Pro caliber player. You don't give a guy $14 million a year to play 10 yards from the football unless you're Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, or somebody of that kind of caliber. Jeff Okuda, I still think Jeff Okuda is going to be the breakout player of this defense this year. And I think he's going to parlay himself into a very solid contract, whether it's here or somebody else. But I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to get himself paid on the open market, again, whether it's the Falcons or whatever team is going to look to his services. Mike Hughes, okay, all that kind of stuff. But... As good as the secondary is, and I think they're the most improved unit on this football team, I think our second best unit is still our running backs. I think when you look at Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, whatever roles they're going to play, whatever flexibility they're going to have, whatever positionless football, right? That's that's the big buzzword, positionless football, as my friend Tory McElhaney would say, that, that again, when you look at these guys and the things they can do, whether it's run it straight ahead, whether it's run around you, whether it's catch the ball out of the backfield, whether it's making big plays, whether it's splitting guys out, Bijan here, Cordero there. You put Cordero on the slot where you spit, uh, split Bijan Robinson out. You run one back. You run both back. I mean, whatever it is, the flexibility that we have with our running back room, I think is the second best strength on this team. And this is an Arthur Smith wet dream in a lot of ways, right? You have your offensive line and your running back that's at your two best positional groups, and you can dictate on offense at the line of scrimmage and do what you want. Say what you will, Tyler Algier, 4.9 yards per carry last year. That's an outstanding number. 3.6 yards per carry after first contact. That's getting it done. This is back to what Arthur Smith dreams about. It's Derrick Henry running behind Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin and all those guys that they had in Tennessee. They were a dominant offensive line with the best running back in the NFL. Now, we may not have the single best running back in the NFL, but collectively as a group, whether it's catching the football, running the football, running it around that right-hand side of our offensive line, I, as I've said, I, I, I really do think that there is a chance that we could have two 1,000-yard rushers, whereas um, uh, Derrick Henry was a 2,000-yard rusher by himself. I think we could have two guys with Algier and with B. John Robinson that, again, if they're going to average four and a half, five yards a carry, you could very easily see those guys run for 1,000 yards apiece. Think about Algier didn't start but seven games last year. Right. I mean, he played in all the games, 
but he only had seven starts and he was still a thousand yard runner. Bijan could easily do that. And you look at all purpose yards. Cordero Patterson can give you some yards. He can give you some, not just rushing yards, but receiving yards as well. So when you look at the combination of all of these things for this running back position, I definitely think that that's the second best group that's on this football team. So it's offensive line one, running backs two. That's what Arthur Smith wants. And if Desmond Ritter doesn't have to be great, I don't think that he has to be great. I don't think he has to be MVP caliber level. I don't think he has to be all world. I don't think he has to be a pro bowl or a first team all pro. If he's that, then we might be in the Super Bowl. If he's the if he's the MVP of the league, then we're going to be in the Super Bowl. But besides that, that's why I don't think that Desmond Ritter has to be dominant. He can be Ryan Tannehill and maybe a little bit better with his combination of his athleticism, with his intelligence, with his accuracy. He might be a better version of Ryan Tannehill when all is said and done. But to have your running back and your offensive line be your two best positional groups on this offense, it does get you excited. And then that way, you're not having to drop. That's why I say, I don't think Desmond Ritter, why would he throw it 475 times? Like why would he why would he throw it, chuck it all around the field? When you've got that, those two units up front with your offensive line and the running backs, why chuck it around 500 times? That's not what our style is going to be. And that's why I think that, you know, Pitts and London, their value is going to be in the red zone. Tell me we're going to be an elite passing team in the red zone. Tell me we're going to be a 67% touchdown percentage conversion in the red zone. That's what I care about when it comes to throwing the football to Pitts or London or Johnu Smith or whatever, you know, or running backs or whatever like that. But look at this offensive line. I think it's the best unit on this team. That running back room is solid all the way around. And we haven't even gotten into, you know, Caleb Huntley. You know, again, Avery Williams is not available this year. But, you know, he comes back in the fold. And you can run that jet sweep, the Tyler Gabriel play, right, from the, the Super Bowl year. You can do some of those things. This running back room is really deep. Now, again, I still get my concerns about are we going to have that guy that's at fire breather coming off the edge and eating up the other team's quarterback. But certainly with our offensive line and our running backs, we're going to control the offensive line of scrimmage. And if Bergeron is solid, if Dolman can step his game up, I know Lindstrom's the best interior offensive lineman. As long as McGarry can replicate his run blocking from last year, then we're going to be fine offensively. And we're going to move the chains and pound it down people's throats. Arthur Smith, remember that last year, I think it was in the Browns game, where he had the 20 straight rushes after they threw the interception? It was 20 straight rushes. That's how you dictate a game on offense. That's how you have a team that just exerts its will against another team's defense. So give me our offensive line one, running backs number two, and let's get this thing cranked up and going. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know in the comment section that you're an everyday listener to the program. We thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. But let us know that you listen in five days a week to the show, that you're an everydayer, as we like to say. Also, too, you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. And get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the Sirius XM app as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. 
1-6. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chartree, Locked On Sports Atlanta.